Welcome, everyone, to the Speak Up by Avalon Bay podcast. In this episode, we will be kicking off our series called Lessons in Leadership. We have three very special women leaders retiring from Avalon Bay in 2022. This series is our opportunity to showcase their unique transformational leadership styles and their invaluable wisdom. We hope their insights will help you in your own journey. Welcome everyone to episode 12. My name is Kate Brown and I am the Vice President of Property Operations for the Massachusetts region at Avalon Bay. Today, I'm here with Debbie Coombs, one of our Senior Vice Presidents of Property Operations. Debbie is the leader of our West Coast operations from Seattle to San Diego and over into our Denver and Texas expansion markets. Recently, Debbie announced that she will be retiring from Avalon Bay. And so, Debbie, I know that I can speak for so many associates who have had the great fortune to work with you over the years to tell you that your transformational leadership throughout your 19-year career at Avalon Bay has truly contributed to the company's growth and success, as well as our own personal growth and success. So as you approach your retirement, let's talk about your thoughts and perspectives on leadership. I'm sure that our conversation today will provide our listeners with many valuable lessons in leadership. Welcome, Debbie. Thank you, Kate. You've said a lot of nice things there. I'm not sure I'll, I'll stand up to those, but let's give it a go. Let's see what happens today. Let's start by talking about your leadership style. How has it evolved over your career? And did you experience any challenges in finding a style that truly felt authentic to you? Yes, I'd have to say I, I describe it as I having three phases of leadership. And when I first started working, I think I, I was very serious. I was unrealistically competitive and a smarty pants know-it-all. I had no self-awareness and I think I repelled people. <laughs> That's where I started because I thought I just had to do it and show people that I was smart and valuable and I wasn't paying any attention to my relationships at work. Unfortunately, that lasted for just a short amount of time, and I had several people around me that caught me by the ears and said, hey, it matters about your relationship with others. But that's how I started, which was pretty rough. I sometimes see others when they're first starting, particularly when they're managing people. Not the highlight of my career, but thank goodness it was a short phase. I started by copying other leaders that I admired. I dressed like them. I spoke like them. I conducted myself in a way that I thought was really fabulous. Some of those folks were early females in my work life as bosses that were the first two VPs at the Trammell Crow organization, Barb Cantrell and Connie Finney. I owe so much to them because they showed me how to be. In fact, I used to show up. It, it, this is at a time when, you know, we wore pantyhose and suits, but I wasn't doing that. I was wearing, you know, playful junior stuff that was colorful and whimsical even. And uh, they helped me and took me out shopping and bought me a couple of dark blue suits. So that helped me understand what I needed to do going forward. And I, I owe so much to them and they really showed me how to be an executive. 
And that worked for a, a good long while. But then I figured out that I had to bring my whole self to work, you know, that I'm not just competitive and, and driven for results, but that I care deeply about others. And I needed to show that. And once that happened and once that connection happened between results and how you get results with others, something magical happened in my career. And I was happy and I felt valued and respected. And I know that I would guess others felt valued and respected too, because I was, um, I was my best self. And those are the three stages I went through. And some would argue it took me too long to get there, but that was my path. It's amazing, Debbie, what you just talked about. And, and really, truly, I'm with you on that in terms of the value of relationships. It, it really does matter, right? Yes. Connections with people and developing constructive relationships with people. And really finding people that, you know, you can put into your trust circle that will really tell you about who you are and what you're doing and the impact that you have on others. It's really amazing. And so it really does kind of lead me to my next question. And in terms of those people that have been really influential in giving you guidance, leadership guidance over your career, can you talk to us about some specific advice that you've received that has been really, truly invaluable to you as you as you built your career? Yes, ma'am. I've been guided by some of the best. Start with my mom and dad, but I think most people start with their parents. But I want to go to um, what I call my K through 12 years when I got good advice. Mrs. Gilmore, my first grade teacher, she wanted to channel my social skills and my chatty Kathy nature into good. And so I was a buddy for new students and that sort of thing. And I was happy to be of service. And I was happy that I was asked to speak to people and find out about them. So she helped me with that part of my life. I'm sure I was a ball of energy and she needed to calm that child down. That's me. Then I had Mrs. Hatch, who kept me from falling in with the wrong girls. These girls in sixth grade, they were smoking in the bathroom. And she said, not, not, nope, I expect more from you. And here's what I expect. And she she cared for me in a way as an adult that really profoundly changed my life to be my best self, not to follow the in crowd. And then in school, I had a, a gal, Ms. Barden. It was fi- my first Ms. MS. She wasn't married. And she taught me not only about literature and how to speak in front of others, but she encouraged me to be more than just a rackety, loud cheerleader and someone who um, was breezing by in life. She asked me to take myself seriously. And uh, that was my, my first, those were my first few advisors, if you will. Then when I hit college, I had a couple of chance classes. One was a gal named Professor Alice Gray, and she was something that I'd never seen before in my life and that she was a professional woman who wasn't a nurse or a teacher. And she she was interesting and she traveled a lot. And most importantly, she treated me as an individual and she was interested in me and the other students to learn about us, to be our best and to carve out a life that was unique for us. She was always saying, what do you want to do? What do your, your instincts tell you to do? Which I really appreciated. And then I have a, a person that provided me this idea, an inspiration that I've told this story many times. So pardon me, Kate, I know you've heard this story and others will have heard this story. But I was uh, trying to get my PE elective out of the way in my freshman year. 
and I'm not, I'm not a sporty kind of gal. That's not what I'm doing. So I just signed up for general PE. And I was shocked when I went to my class and I found I was with all the basket or the football players and they were in training with this coach, a training coach. And here I am, the lone female who didn't know how to lift a weight or had never done that. And this coach gave me an assignment. He's, you know, to run around the track. I was, you know, running and doing some strength training. And I figured I would always check in with him and kind of, you know, give him a hi when I got in there. And I just start running around the track. That's all I would do. I thought he wasn't paying any attention to me. But there was one particular occasion towards the end of the class and I was running around the track and I was going to have to turn my time in in this particular session. And I'm trying to do my best, and I don't even know what it is. I don't know what the time is that I'm doing. I've never recorded my time. I was just running. And, of course, I got stronger as the class progressed. And then all of a sudden, this coach fell in beside me and probably ran about halfway around the indoor track with me, saying positive things to me and encouraging me to do my best and that I was on track for doing my best. And I realized he'd been watching me and paying attention. And he provided coaching at the exact time by walking or pardon me, running step by step with me. It's a story I always take with me because I find that whenever someone's struggling or trying to do something new, I want to join them for part of that journey. So he gave me something that I've tried to put in my life through all kinds of relationships. I get a little emotional. I can tell, you know, I have to clear my throat because I still think of that man and what he did for me. And I, I didn't think he was paying attention. And uh, sometimes uh, it makes all the difference to run alongside somebody. And I've tried to do that a few times in my career. Oh, now what? Right now I'm through college. Now, is there anything else that anybody has ever done for me? It's like, uh, yes, uh, there's a whole series of leaders from Marlene Simons who ran a dress shop and she hired me. I don't know why she hired me because this was a high-end dress shop. They sold fur coats and all that kind of stuff. And she hired me. I came in with my uh my fry boots and my gachos and my poncho. I'm not kidding. For the interview. And she hired me. And I didn't know it, but she saw in me that I could sell and that I could take care of people. And there was something that she gave to me as far as paying attention to the customer and uh, doing what's right by, um, you know, calling them to say the red sweaters are in or that you deliver the packages to their workplace to make it easier for them. And then I had, uh, as I was talking about when I was uh, kind of a jerk and I was just trying to be a smarty pants and uh, do, you know, have big results. Mrs. Houston, she's the one who pulled me by my ear and sat me down to say, what did you think you just accomplished? You just alienated everybody on the team by your smarty pants sort of stuff and asking them how come they weren't done. And I I often think of her, I see you, Kate, looking at me going, oh my gosh, I needed her so bad at that time. And she gave me what I needed was the unvarnished truth. And it changed me. And in those moments, you don't think that they're much at the time. Only when I look back at them, I know that was a pivot point for me when she said, what are you doing? You cannot do this to your teammates. 
And then, as I've mentioned, there was a couple women uh, with the Trammell Crow organization. Connie Finney was my boss, and I emulated her. How she dressed, she talked. She got a briefcase, and then I thought, oh, I need a briefcase just like that. She had a travel bag that was on wheels. What? I wanted a travel bag that it was on wheels. And I did more than just follow those sorts of things. I followed her in every way I could imagine. I continue to hold her in very high esteem. And then my last boss that I, um, it was probably my best boss at the best time ever, and that was Leo Horry. Leo Horry, many of you know him, some don't because he retired a couple of years ago, but he always encouraged me to be my authentic and true self. When I first started, I was in some discussions about our uh, developments and the MIC package, and I was swimming in the numbers and I wasn't sure I was getting it right. So I went to Leo to say, Leo, you know, I struggle with these numbers. I, I I get the concepts, but I can't do what I see you doing or others. I'm an operator. I'm going to operate. I'm going to have good sales teams. But if you need something more than that, I don't know that I'm your gal. We were sitting at a table at Starbucks at the uh, Seattle airport, and he let me know in a way that was profound for me that I was exactly what he expected and what the company needed. And it gave me that vote of confidence. I still had some self-doubt. After all those years, I still had some self-doubt. And he encouraged to be my best self. And those are the kinds of things that stay with me. And again, I think I've had the chance to say that to a few others, is to be your best self is all that's required. So that's it. That's, That's some stuff. I could go on and on. I got stories for days, girl. That's a lot, Debbie. And I, you know, I'm sitting here and I am, I I am so fortunate to be sitting here talking with you today. And I'm taking notes because this, (laughs) I'm going to the Debbie Coombs School of Leadership this afternoon. And, you know, I, and I just want to share with you some of the things that I just took away from, from what you were just talking about. Be of service. I think that is really important. It's something that, you know, if, if you take them, take a moment to really dig into what it means to be of service, you are giving of yourself, right? Um, and again, I think it goes back to your, a lot of, a lot of what you talked about was being your whole self, your true self, your authentic self. And um, being of service, it seems like, you know, it started in your K, K through 12 years, right? With Mrs. Gilmore. Um, but it really has sort of carried you through your life. And with um, some of the, the leaders um, that in the guidance that leaders have given you over the years, you can see that it just resonates with you. I, I, I know you personally, yes. and I see that in you always. Mm. So thank you for, for sharing um, this type of guidance with us. I think it's just, uh, it's a treasure trove of information, Debbie. It's really fantastic. Thank you. So let's talk about women leaders. And there's, um, <laughs> there's lots of, you know, it's tough being a, a woman leader. Don't you think, Debbie? There's just lots of, you know, she's either, she's too soft or she's too strong or she's this or she's that. You know, how is it that, you know, we can find the, like the right cadence, the right style? How is it that we can, that women can show their vulnerability at work and still be viewed as a competent leader? Yeah, vulnerability, empathy, you know, wanting to uh, help others, compassion, wanting to be liked, 
you know, all of those lead you down a particular path, but it's not one of leadership, quite frankly. It's a part of how you, for me, I felt like I, those are parts of me that I like about myself and that are natural to me, that I, I, I believe on my good days, I'm compassionate, that, um, you know, I, I give empathy to others and maybe even am, am easy to work with as a team member. Not every day. There will be those who want to uh, do a, um, do a little uh, counterpoint on that one, but most times a good partner. But I think it has to be combined with other things that, you know, it's not, I'm not just empathetic. I'm not just pleasant to work with, but that I'm, uh, I drive for results and I, I try to speak honestly. And again, I try to be, to, to be fair. And, you know, that comes from, you know, those, uh, those early experiences in, I always have this moment. If I've got something on my mind and I didn't say it in the moment, I don't know about you, but sometimes I think, I wish I would have said that when this was all going on. I give myself a second chance and I insist on it. And many times I am so grateful because I'm better when I've had the chance to think more. And I go back to a person or a group of people to say, you know, that didn't go as well as I wanted it to yesterday. Here's some points of view that I think we ought to consider, or I think we missed on something. And I, I, I find myself doing that pretty often. And it has served me well that I like to do it in the moment. And many times I can, but if something still sticks with me and I'm uncomfortable and I feel like the team might not be in the right spot or they, I didn't have the chance to fairly represent myself. I do it again. I say, I've cleared my thoughts and here's what we have to do. I think when that happens, this business of that compassion and empathy, as opposed to being hard driving and a, shall I say, a word that rhymes with which, is that you don't have to be seen that way. You're just a fair dealer, right? You're, you see it honestly. You don't have a, I try always to not have an ego about it. It's like, what's best for us? What's best for the customer? What's best for the associate? And remove the idea that my idea should win. And that business of listening and even coming back to hear something I do for myself. And I will do that with others to say, I know you weren't in agreement when we started our conversation and the group decided to do A and I know you wanted to do B. I try to remember my responsibility to the individuals to come back and say, are you sure? Do you need a second chance to make uh, further arguments about that. And one of, so that helps serve that business of compassion and likability, wanting to get along. But also, I don't apologize. I know you don't either, Kate. We are responsible to get things done. We're sometimes responsible for doing things that maybe won't, we know won't sit right with everyone. And whenever we're asking individuals to change, whether that change is big or small, our communication and our empathy are the very things that will make it happen. You know, when we were at our, our recent meeting with our officers, Dick Michaud, our first CEO, he talked about something that he found important in his career, and that is that people have to like you for you to be a success. And I loved that he said that. It flies in the face of those who say that women, you know, who are demanding or driving are not you know, um, well-respected. And I thought, no, men have to be likable too. And women have to be drivers. We both have and to do our best. We have to have the combination of those skills to succeed. You know what I'm taking away from all of that, Debbie, is yeah. that your, your foundation is truth. Don't you feel that way? Your oh, yeah. foundation it's, is truth. 
Everything gets clear when all it is is just what's the truth. Yes. Oh, amen. And you know what? Sometimes you're right. You know, it's it and it's it's also about, you know, sort of showing that vulnerability at times to say, I'm not sure that we got to the truth. I'm not sure that we got to the right answer on this. Let's have another go at it. And it really, you know, it, it feels like, you know, truth is your center. And all the goodness that's in you emanates from your center, which is truth. So really excellent, excellent points that you are making. I think that um, folks will walk away with um, some really great information on that. Thanks, Kate. But it's one of those things when I give myself a chance to be better and to do it a second time, I think it makes others want to have that same thing so that you all, you know, when you work with a team for a while, there is a give and take. There's a grace that comes from this about accepting the fact that I've changed my mind. I've had to say that before. And to not feel ashamed by that or to not feel too dug in and stubborn, it's like, I've changed. I've been doing some more thinking. You know, you've caused me to to think. I, You know, when you do that, I think, and you show that example to others, there's some kind of magic energy that happens because there's permission for everybody to say, I'm not sure. I need a second chance. I want to try that again. And uh, I think, uh, and I, I like that environment a lot because I need second chances. I need them. And it also, it's, it allows us the opportunity to just continue to think in, um, in a world of possibilities, right? You just open up so many doors by, you know, saying, Hey, I don't think we got it the truth yet. I don't think we got it quite right yet. And, but you invite others into that discussion. Really, it's rewarding. It is empowering. It's motivating when you do that. Thank you again for for that, Debbie. Today, you've had the opportunity to mentor our listeners. You've been giving us lots of good nuggets of knowledge, lots of wisdom on leadership. And I want to challenge you to try and give us one or two pieces of, of advice that you think it's important to share with the next generation of women leaders in real estate. Thank you, Kate. I'm glad you gave me this question in advance because it's important to get it right. If you have just a little bit of time, what would you give as your best advice? And I have two pieces of advice and some details to back those up. The first one is you've got to find a way to be honest with yourself. That honesty has to do with the idea of Are you a loner? Are you an extrovert? You know, are you a numbers person? Are you a people person? Are you, how big is your sphere of influence? You know, is, is there a wide circle that trust and respect you? Those sorts of things about knowing yourself is critical. I had the chance to be a mentor recently with a few folks. And one of the things I ask them is that, you know, it's hard for you to see yourself as others see you. But it's important to try to see other how, how others see you. I said, so if your supervisor could tell you anything without you bristling or being argumentative or sulking or hurt, and they could say it in plain English, what do you think your supervisor would say is the area that you need to improve? And for me in these in these most recent relationships, that has unlocked a door. So I've thought thought about it a bunch. It's like, that is it. What would those around you honestly say if, you know, for me, a lot of times if Debbie could just be quiet and let me speak, it would be healthy for our relationship. So I have to have, have had the chance to practice that. So what would that be? So that honesty 
about yourself. Where are you in your career? Are you just starting and you you think you ought to be the boss already? You know, do you want to work with a team? Do you want to be, you know, grinding on the numbers or do you want to manage people? All those things are that self-awareness, but it includes how others see you. And I always think, how can I see myself like others see me? So I don't get off track. And so I remember the, the things that my supervisor says in my annual reviews. I try to remember the things when they praise me or when they think I've, I've not done my best to know that they're trying to help me out. And if I listen closely, they are sharing how others see me. And I think that honesty with yourself is critical. So, you know, this idea of surveying about what do you want and who, who do you want to be, if you can answer honestly and try to understand how others think of you. And I always recommend that uh, anybody have a board of advisors. They're your trusted friends. They might be the folks that you take a walk with in the morning, or it may be somebody who sits across in a cubicle from you. But you want to have your board of advisors to say, hey, I did this thing and I may not have got this right. What do you think? Or that you're all wound up about something and your friend could tell you, it's like, yeah, I, th- I think you kind of screwed up. You overdid it. You know, you're, you're not seeing it clearly. So that's my first one is about being honest with yourself. And then this next one is I've talked about others who have led me is to don't apologize about being your best. That's your full self at work. And to be in a leadership role, to be your best, it means you have to listen to others. You have to grow. You have to adapt. And then there's this other thing you have to be, and that's courageous. You know, I sometimes I think about uh, fairy tales. They're stories that are simple and stand the test of time. And there's one about the emperor's new clothes. Most people know this story. And there's a the, the king gets hoodwinked by a group of, you know, good salesmen who say that they have a fabric that is so fine that you you have to be a special person to even see it. And for me, you know, in a fairy tale of my life, lots of folks would be the princess or the knight in armor. Not me. I'm the kid at the end of the story who says, y'all know he's not wearing any clothes, don't you? So that's who I am. So whoever you are, be your best and be courageous to show it and share it with others. So those are my two two things that just have to be out there for women in leadership and men too, men too. So Debbie, I completely agree with you about being courageous. It really, truly is something that I try and, you know, focus on every day about how is it that I can be courageous for someone else? How is it that I can be courageous for a new initiative? All of that kind of stuff. Courage is sort of at the center of my core as well. And so I'm happy that you talked about courage. It's just such an important leadership quality. Being courageous, I think, also gets back to the fact about, you know, being honest and understanding sort of who you are and what you're really good at and what you're the best at and what you're not so good at. The honesty coupled with courage, it's truly a gift that you do have. When you talk about how you, you know, modeled yourself, modeled your leadership style after others, I can say to you that those two qualities that you have, that you demonstrate to us on a daily basis, honest and courage. I'm trying to emulate you a little bit. So I want you to know that. Yeah. That's big stuff. Katie, thank you. Thank you for that. You know, if, if, if I could, I do have specific advice for women 
And I, I didn't cover that if I could. Absolutely, Debbie. First is you have women have got to learn to be comfortable to talk about money, their salary, their bonus without apology. And don't get, you know, if you don't get it, don't, you know, don't quit. You know, the idea of being competent, confident, and know that that's a part of life is that talking about money is something that you must do. If you don't, you're going to get what you get. And you've got to be able to talk about it. I'm better at it now than I've ever been. Mostly I find people hesitant to talk about it. They're not sure how to approach it. So talking about money doesn't mean going in to say, I got a job offer and I demand, you know, 10% more in pay or whatever it is. There's a way to talk about money that can be successful for you. And that isn't talking about money by sharing your salary with your peers. I'm not talking, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about doing that with your supervisor, showing your worth and understanding how things work. So talking, being able to talk about money, your money is important. And I see a lot of folks come up shy on that, women in particular. And then the other I see is a, sort of a a thing for women, particularly when I see the people who are more junior, is that they they don't listen to those or observe those who are in elevated positions and learn the language that those are those above you are talking. You have to learn to talk the business language that you're in. I remember for far too long when I was a community manager doing lease ups. That's what I was doing for Dick Michaud when he was with the Trammell Crow Company. I could lease them up. But I did not talk the language of business. I didn't talk about pace and absorption. I didn't talk about yield. I didn't talk about my operating expenses. I was just sitting there going, I leased 10 apartments this week with my team. And I expected a pat on the head. Now, if I kept that up, then I was always going to be doing lease ups. And for me, I wanted something more. And I think when I talk to folks who are uh, men who are looking for mentors is this business of you've got to you know, you've got to get prepared for that job ahead of time. So listen to what people are saying. Ask them what they mean. Start using it yourself when you have an understanding. But you have to talk the language of business that you're in. And I find I made a mistake by just wanting to say, I leased apartments. And that wasn't going to get me very far. So um, those are my two things, particularly for women. I like to describe that to others that I'm mentoring I say you have to listen at a different frequency in order to understand the new language. Gave me goosebumps, kid. Really, seriously, isn't it? You know, when you think about some of the situations that we're in day in and day out, and we're dealing with all levels of people in our company. And I really, I make a conscious effort to try and listen at a different frequency in order to learn something new. That's my business advice. If I'm I can throw out down. some mentorship, right? Yeah, that's outstanding. In preparing for today, I came across an amazing definition of leadership that really resonated with me. And it's really simple, but it just, like for you, I think this one's going to give you goosebumps as well. So let me read this to you. Leadership is the art of aligning purpose and people. So we both know Avalon-based purpose is to create a better way to live, right? Have you thought about what your purpose is, Debbie? First of all, let's drop the mic on that. That, that is it. Yeah. My purpose. It's kind of weird. It's kind of weird to talk about it, about my purpose, but I have felt I've been given an opportunity in these last 
19 years that I've tried to live up to. And I describe it in a pretty simple way. My job is to be Johnny Appleseed. And Johnny Appleseed is a story that's not familiar to everyone, but in the, in, you know, some, some old mythology, American mythology, there was a man who was named Johnny and he had apple seeds and he went around in the community and planted apple seeds, taking a good idea from one place and planting it in another. It seems that's what I find has the highest value is the idea of being Johnny Appleseed. And sometimes it's taking a new idea from one area to the next. And sometimes it's being that agent of change to explain how and why things will be better and the business will be optimized and opportunities will be optimized when we make those changes and adopt new ways of doing business. So Johnny Appleseed's story resonates with me. And it's also part of the Johnny Appleseed story is to, when you see a problem, you fix a problem. Now that's deep in me from mom and dad, because they, you know, it's like, you know, if you got a flat tire, then you better find a way to fix that. You know, that's, that's on you. You can wait till I get home, but you know, wouldn't it be better if you could fix it on your own? So I've long lived by that philosophy that I had responsibility and accountability to see a problem and fix a problem. It's probably too simple. Yours is much more eloquent when you talk about purpose. But I, I think that the, all of these years of experience have given me something that is knowledge. And even sometimes I would describe it now in my older years as wisdom, is that there are those who need the boost. They need to know that the problem can be fixed and you might have an idea pointing them in, in the right direction. And they also have this uh, great deal to accomplish the, on their own. And if you can help them along the way, you know, you want to you want to be a part of that, that purpose to to help others fix a problem, to help others as they are encountering uh, new experiences is um, is my purpose, I think. So does that does it transcend your personal life to your personal life as well? I definitely see that in you, Debbie, you know, in terms of help, the helping piece, fixing the problems. And you're always there as someone that we know you're our go-to, you know, you're our go-to person on so many things. So many of us turn to you. Does it transcend to your your personal life? It does. I love being a part of a team. I love being a part of my group of friends and my family. And something comes up and it's like, it's like, I'm in action mode. It's like, okay, let's go. I just had a recent weekend with my nieces. One of my nieces just bought a house and it needed a little DIY. So I said, I'm in. When's the date? I'm the worker. What are we doing? We're painting. We're putting in shelves. We did plumbing and electrical work. No guy was around. We just went to YouTube and we figured it out. And I feel I loved it. And that kind of experience is something that I I enjoy that when I'm at work or in my personal life. I'm all about, I love being a part of a team I like getting stuff done, but I don't go it alone. I always am better when I'm with a team. I can confirm, ladies and gentlemen, that yes, Deborah Coombs is an activator. (laughs) What's shocking to me, and no pun intended, is that you actually did some electrical work, Debbie. How did that go? (laughs) Mind bending. Well, thank goodness. One one of our party had changed light fixtures before and we knew to turn the lights and the breakers off. And then we, we, you know, was, it, it was more complicated in my mind than it was in practice. So now I'm like, 
I need to get me a toolbox. I need my own drill. And who needs their light fixtures changed? I'm in. Excellent. Excellent. So maybe the, this could be a little side business for you uh, upon be. your retirement. You could, could be a little fix an it. Come in and fix it up. Yeah. Yeah. We'll hook you up with a master electrician. You can become their apprentice. Excellent, Debbie. So Johnny Appleseed, activator. Let's have some fun, shall we? Okay. We've had, yes. We've had some really deep and thought-provoking questions here. I want to have some fun with my friend Debbie so that our listeners can really get to know even more about you. Okay. So are you ready for the lightning round? Damn. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you in our preparation for this call, you know, I had given Debbie all of the, you know, the choices for the lightning round. And she did give me the license to change things up to surprise her. So I have thrown in a few surprises for my friend Debbie, and I cannot wait to see her reaction and hear her reaction um, to some of these questions in the lightning round. All right. Are you ready? Here we go. Do you prefer a short hairstyle or a long hairstyle? I've had them all, girl, and I am currently, I'm currently at the bob. I'm right at the jaw level. That's it. It's easy, simple, no muss, no fuss. Favorite glass of wine. Is it red or is it white? Uh, what's champagne? I'm a champagne gal. Give me the chance. I want that. Okay. So, well, it could be. And when you think about champagne and sparkling, so like we do have various, you know, variations of champagne. So there is the, you know, the the white champagne as well as sort of the blush champagne. So it's just about the champagne for you. Okay. Excellent. Now on to fashion. <laughs> Will you choose a popped collar or a decorative scarf, Debbie? And this is impossible choice. This is Sophie's choice because everyone knows a popped collar hides my southern regions. I like that because everybody's looking at your collar thinking you got something wrong. So I love that. But I'm going to have to go with the decorative scarf. Seriously? Yes, I, I love- I, You know, I actually was polling the, the rest of the VPs and asked, what do you think she's going to say? Everyone was like, oh, she's going to say popped collar. <laughs> it's definitely about the popped collar. Oh, oh surprise. Collar, right? Yeah, exactly. Surprise. All right. So here's the technology question for you. Texting or talking? Talking mm-hmm. always. Absolutely. Isn't <laughs> it? Yeah. I don't, I, yeah, I would much rather just get on the phone with somebody or get actually, it'd be more fun to be in person, right? Um, now, hopefully, God willing, with COVID, we're, you know, coming to the later stages of this pandemic and hopefully we'll be able to spend more time together, right? And so just talking and laughing. I'm with you on that. So to hell with texting. Okay. Here's your last one. Are you ready? Mm. It's an adventure question for you. Oh, okay. Something to be thinking about, you know, for your retirement planning. Golfing or glamping? (laughs) (laughs) Someone's been talking out of school, but I am going to say golfing. Really? Yes, girl. Golfing? Golfing. So 
is it, you know, like a golfing weekend? Is yes. it, you know, isn't it, and everything that goes along with it. So if you're away and you, you have a round of golf and then I'm thinking that naturally you have to have a, you know, a little spa treatment afterwards as well, right? Oh, you're reading my playbook. It's the golf, it's the drink afterwards, it's the spa treatment, it's the resorts. It's, uh, I love everything about golf and anything surrounding it. Yes, ma'am. Sign me up. Excellent. So let me know when you're out on the East Coast um, touring around to uh, the various wonderful golf courses um, on the East Coast because I would absolutely love to play around the golf with you and have a nice glass of champagne afterwards and then head off to the spa for, for a nice spa treatment. And that would just be lovely. That would make Let's book it. Let's do it. Let's book it. Well, Debbie, it has been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. And I'm going to finish us off with a quote about leadership from Brene Brown. She said, a brave leader is someone who says, I see you. I hear you. I don't have all the answers, but I'm going to keep listening and asking questions. Debbie, I think Brene Brown was referring to you. Ooh, Katie. Ooh, that hit me right smack in the head and the heart. Thank you so much. Thank you. Congratulations on a magnificent career. And I wish you joy and happiness in your retirement, Debbie. Thank you for everything. Thank you. Back at you, girl. Thank you, everyone, for joining us on Episode 12 of the Speak Up by Avalon Bay podcast. Stay tuned for Episode 13 as we continue our series, Lessons in Leadership. All statements expressed on this podcast are those of the participants only and not of Avalon Bay communities. Avalon Bay and the Women's Leadership Network reserve all rights to this podcast and its contents. This podcast is copyrighted and may not be reused or rebroadcast without permission.